So I'm going to talk about how the Open Philanthropy Project investigates causes. So what is the Open Philanthropy Project? The Open Philanthropy Project is a partnership between GiveWell and Good Ventures in which we investigate areas to work in, make grants, and publish the details of our analysis so that other people can learn, uh, learn from it and figure out how they could make a bigger difference through donations or otherwise. Um, so a major thing we do is cause prioritization. Uh, why do we do it? We do it because we think causes vary significantly in terms of how much good you could do if you're working in them. What's a cause? I mean a unit like nuclear weapons policy or biosecurity or uh, development of drugs for malaria. Um, and in order to do this, we need to consider a lot of different areas that we could work in and assess how important, tractable, and neglected they are. This is an uncommon thing to do, and it's a very uncommon thing for a philanthropist to do. Our impression is that the normal way that a philanthropist would decide on a cause would have a lot to do with, say, um, personal experience, personal history, personal passions, um, and would rarely have, have something to do with something like a literature review. Or, um, so one of the main things we try to do is try to get really into detail about uh, the causes that we could invest in and use that to try to make as big of a difference as we can. Um, so... Why would you want to know about uh, what cause prioritization is? Well, Jeff just gave you some reasons. Um, it could be that you're interested in what the Open Philanthropy Project is doing, and you'd like to understand, you know, like, you know, why should I believe um, the research of the Open Philanthropy Project? You might want to work on cause prioritization yourself, um, or maybe you just want to investigate a specific cause to decide whether it'd be worthwhile for you to work in it personally. Um, and to help you do that, I'm going to explain how we do our investigations of causes. And to make it very concrete, I'm going to talk about um, a cause investigation that I did, which was our work on uh, nuclear weapons policy. Um, so why do we look into nuclear weapons policy? Um, nuclear war is an important potential global catastrophic risk. And right now, there's an established philanthropic community that works on this. Um, so there are experts in the field who we could talk to and learn quite a lot about quickly. And in addition, it gives us some kind of sense of what it looks like when you have a large field working on some cause, uh, on a global catastrophic risk in particular, which is re a relatively rare thing for a lot of the global catastrophic risks that we've looked at. Um, the investigations that we do of causes are things, you know, these are often causes that we know very little about before we go into them. So it's an outsider coming in and trying to understand what's going in, on in a cause um, at a very high level. So when we go in, we try to um, get a very rough understanding of these three things. Importance, you know, and when I say importance, I mean how many people are affected by this cause, how much are they affected, um, or in the case of a global catastrophic risk, how likely is this risk and how bad would it be if it were to occur? Um, and so, you know, that, uh, the second thing that we look at is tractability. Um, causes vary significantly in terms of how hard it would be to make progress on them. Um, so, for example, um, criminal justice reform is an area in policy that looks like it's possible to get a lot of traction right now because there are people on the right and on the left who care about um, criminal justice and changing the system for different reasons. And there's a sort of window of opportunity to make a difference. Something like 
you know, moving towards a world with a lot more labor mobility is an area that's probably lower tractability for like a cause. And um, you know, we, we want to be able to, when we're looking at, at possible causes, to be able to sort them roughly in terms of you know, how tractable is this. And um, that's going to be an important part of the process that we use for assessing causes. And then we also try to look at how neglected is a cause, which means not just like how much money is going into this cause, but also is there some aspect of the cause that people are ignoring? Um, which can often be the case. When you go and look at a cause, it may be that it's getting a lot of money, but maybe there's some part of it that isn't getting a lot of attention. So for example, um, climate change is a cause that gets an awful lot of attention um, from philanthropic foundations and other people in the world, um, but there's an aspect of it, geoengineering, that gets rel relatively limited attention. So it's very important when you're looking at a cause not just to say, like, do a lot of people care about this, but also are all the important aspects of this cause covered? Um, another goal when we're doing these shallow investigations is to be fast. We want to just you know, move into an area we previously didn't know very much about, talk to a few or several experts, read some of the background literature, and have some kind of high-level overview of the field um, so that we can make a decision about whether that's something we want to dig into deeper on. So when I'm starting uh, an investigation of a cause, I just like to think about, like, well, what do I already know about this? And there are often such things. And um, so, for example, with nuclear weapons policy, um, I already knew that the US and the Russia have most of the nuclear weapons. Um, I think a lot of people would know that nuclear winter is a potential risk of a nuclear war. So this is the possibility that we have a nuclear war. Lots of dust goes up in the atmosphere. The dust blocks um, sunlight from coming in. It changes the climate and could potentially mess up agriculture. Um, I like to think about you know, who is working on this. Um, this is part of assessing neglectedness. And I think it's common knowledge that like, governments and scholars of various types and activists uh, care about nuclear weapons policy. These, this is important to think about because it tells me something about neglectedness and also tells me something about who might know something about this problem that we're interested in. Um, and I also like to think about like, you know, what are the things that could be done about this, about this problem. And we'll want to think about whether all the important things that could be done are being done. Um, so obvious things about nuclear weapons that you could think about are like, well, maybe we could have less of them. Maybe we could prevent new countries from getting nuclear weapons. Um, or maybe we could uh, try to have countries get along better so they don't get in a, in a nuclear war in the first place. Um, those are all tricky things, uh, but those are probably the main levers that you might think of when you just hear about this cause. So next thing is, like, what do you not know about this cause? And as I go down this list, I try to think about, like, well, of these things that I don't know, which of them are things that people are likely to be in a position to know so that I could just ask them? We're not going to be able to, like, consider each of these causes and become, like, world experts on them. Um, so we're going to be, it's going to be, like, a large part of, of this work is going to be synthesis and putting together what is already known. Um, so I certainly wouldn't know how likely a war is, how valid some of the ideas about nuclear winter are, how bad a nuclear winter would be. Um, wouldn't know all the things that you could do about this or who the main players are, how much resources they have, what they're doing, um, how good or bad the government policy on nuclear weapons currently is, or how hard it would be to change the policy. Um, these are all things that would be highly uncertain about that are also very relevant to thinking about like how good of a field is nuclear weapons policy to be working in. Um, so 
Next question is like, how could I get some information to fill in these gaps in my knowledge? And um, the main thing to think about there is, uh, you know, who are the people who know about this? What are the relevant sources of information? So if we want to know what the government is doing, the government is by far the, going to be the largest spender on nuclear weapons policy. We can look at government reports. Um, they'll give us some rough dollar figures, but experience with government reports is that often it's not terribly clear what the government is doing based on those reports. Um, but you could get some rough idea. Um, foundation websites, you could look at the main major funders of work on nuclear weapons policy um, that's private. You might um, speak with some of the scholars who work on it. Um, you might speak with people who've worked in the government. Uh, and you might speak with the funders of nuclear weapons policy. So, and this is fairly similar for any cause that you would be, be looking into. Um, and I think about, like, okay, these are these people of these, like, crucial questions that I had. Which ones are they going to be likely to know? And, um, you know, things like how bad would a nuclear, nuclear winter be, I think is something that it's hard to find people who would know a lot about, just because it's, it's not a very tractable question. And I think, you know, a lot of the people who work on nuclear weapons are, I think, are unlikely to think a lot about that question. I think a lot of people, my intuition is like, you know, people are going to think nuclear war would obviously be extremely bad. We don't need to, like, you know, debate exactly how bad it would be. Um, on the other hand, things like what's going on in the field um, or what are the main areas of study would be things that people are very likely to know. So when I'm trying to, like, decide who I'm going to talk to to learn about this field, I'm going to focus on, you know, speaking to people about the topics that, um, that they would be likely to know. Another thing that I would do if I was going to look into something like nuclear weapons policy, because it's an area of policy research, I would want to, um, I would want to think whether there were any important gaps um, in the policy, in this field. And to do that, I would think, like, what are the standard things you can do to change policy in some area? Um, and Givewell has done some research on this topic, which we wrote about in a blog post, a uh, series of blog posts um, called The Role of Philanthropic Funding in Politics. We have a number of tools that someone who wants to spend money or anyone basically more broadly who wants to change policy can consider. Um, these include, you know, lobbying, uh, trying to get, you know, speaking to legislators to get laws changed or raising support for ideas uh, of that kind funding think tanks or other institutions to do research about what the policy should be or could be and what the pros and cons of different options are. Um, grassroots organizing, where you're like basically getting people together um, to you know, drum up support for an issue um, or a set of ideas. Um, litigation wouldn't apply as much to nuclear weapons policy, but has been an important tool uh, that's used by foundations in other areas, such as uh, the civil rights movement. Um, and there's a few other ones that... Uh, are, you know, in some cases relevant to nuclear weapons policy. But we'd be going through this whole list and trying to think, like, well, maybe nuclear weapons policy has all of these things, but not one of them. And that would be a way of finding a big gap. Um, so that would be something that would be relevant to us as a funder. It would be relevant to an individual who is like, I care about nuclear weapons policy. What's missing? You might be able to find that gap and fill it yourself. Um, so when I'm thinking about, like, specific people to talk to, um, you know, I think about, like, well, do I actually just know an expert in this field or does someone I know know a relevant expert? I would also try to think, you know, I would try to focus on, like, finding the people who are, like, the very most informed that would be willing to talk to me about the issue. Um, and, you know, that's going to vary from person to person depending on their level of access. Um, but, you know, I would look at, in this case, um, look at, like, a list of top think tanks or a list of, um, you know, 
think tanks that like work on nuclear weapons policy. Um, I would look at the foundations. So GiveWell has published a report that can be kind of useful for this um, called What Large Scale uh, Philanthropy Focuses on Today. It has dollar allocation data um, measured across a wide variety of funds and tells you which foundations fund the work. Um, and I would just do really basic stuff like Googling nuclear weapons policy foundation and seeing who works on it. Um, so for example, you know, uh, in this case, I think I like went to like the Brookings website. Like, well, they, they have a, a program on nuclear weapons. Read through people's bios and learn about like, okay, who seems like a reasonable person who might know a lot about this? Um, maybe somebody who has like experience in government and would, uh, would know something about that. Look at websites of the foundations that uh, fund work on nuclear weapons policy and try to find somebody who seems like a good fit. Um, and I send an email <laughs> basically saying, hey, uh, this is who I am, this is why I want to know about this, this is why I want to talk to you, would you have some time to talk with me? Um, and we ask uh, the people that we talk to to share uh, information, let us share information with people. So uh, GiveWell publishes notes from conversations we have with experts in almost all the cases where we get permission uh, on our website, and you can see them um, on givewell.org slash conversations. Um, so now you've got uh, your expert on the phone, um, or you're meeting them, what, what kinds of questions do you ask them? Um, I, I think there's different kinds of questions you can ask people depending on the kind of expertise that you should expect them to have. And I think a guiding point in this whether you're like reading papers or whether you're talking to people, is to ask yourself, like, what is this person in a position to know? Um, which of these things are the things that I can believe if they tell me? Um, so someone who manages, uh, who works as a funder, often has a very broad view of a field. So a funder is often like an effective altruist looking in a specific area and trying to say, like, what are the important things for making progress on my cause that are not being done? And in order to have that kind of understanding, you have to have a broad view of a field. Um, so if you're speaking to a funder, um, you can often get a good sense of, you know, who are all the other major funders in this field? What, uh, what are their programs focused on? How is your program different from what the other funders are doing? Um, is there anything that is neglected by the other funders? You might expect that, like, if there was, then it's something that they would seize and work on themselves, but this isn't always the case. Um, sometimes, you know, institutions have, like, rules that say, well, we're an institution that doesn't fund that kind of work. Or, you know, our institution does research but not advocacy because that's just not what we do. Um, and, you know, that can be very useful uh, information that you can often get through a process like this. Um, so that's a bit of a flavor of, like, what I think people at foundations often know. Um, people, people working, uh, like, scholars are often have more depth and uh, less breadth than, like, a funder would. Um, they are often in a position to know things like what are the main issues in their field, how does their own research differ from some of the research that other people are doing. Um, they often know how they could get funding themselves, uh, whether there's something that would be you know, impossible for them to get funding on but would be important. Um, those are valuable perspectives that they can contribute. Um, and they often um, have different incentives. So uh, you know, if you're talking to a researcher, they uh, might be willing to criticize uh, you know, what other people are doing a little bit more than a funder would. Um, so that can be valuable as well. And whenever I'm talking to these people, I'm always asking them, you know, who else should we be talking to? Who do you think is really smart? Who do you think really knows about this? Okay, so 
In the case of nuclear weapons policy, we ended up talking to a number of people who had some experience in government at foundations um, and uh, scholars and you know, people who worked at some of the large nonprofits in the space. Um, as we're going through that process, we're trying to, we're trying to look to see if um, we've learned all of our, we've answered all of our key questions or if we're, we've gotten to a point where it'd be very hard to answer all of our key questions, where our rate of knowledge per unit of investigation is, uh, is going down. And at that point, we would try to say, like, all right, we should probably wrap this up and make a decision. Um, so uh, after we've talked with everyone, we've decided like, we, can't, we should stop this investigation at this point. We put together um, the results. And some of the main conclusions from this uh, were that there were some specific areas um, that, we could, that you could work on. One that I didn't know about initially was securing nuclear materials to prevent um, terrorists from getting access to them. That's something that's like kind of obvious in retrospect, but um, you might not realize that you know, the, the way you get nuclear weapons is you have giant centrifuges that are hard to make, and a terrorist um, would have a hard time getting them. Anyway. Um, some of the other things that we learned, I think the most interesting thing that we learned in this case is that uh, policy research is very well funded by people in this space, but advocacy is not. So, um, you know, a possible gap in this field is for uh, a funder to fund um, work on advocacy to change nuclear weapons policy in the U.S. So the vast majority of the funding was rather than going to like try to literally change things, but to, to analyze policy. And um, even more so, policy research and advocacy overseas um, was, uh, was very rarely funded by foundations. Um, so, you know, nuclear policy work in other countries like India, Pakistan, China, or Russia um, would also be, you know, pretty poorly funded. That would be an area um, where a funder could come and work in the field. Um, although it would be a very challenging area to work because we often, like, you know, we don't know a lot about what's going on in these other countries, and it would be something that would be pretty difficult for us to do right now. Um, I'm going to skip that <coughs> in the interest of time. Um, so some of my conclusions, I think, you know, we didn't learn as much about, like, the importance of nuclear war, partly because that's a hard thing to assess, and we thought it was kind of unlikely that people would... Um, you know, be able to make, uh, you know, tell us a lot that we didn't already know about it. Um, but we did learn some pretty interesting things about what were gaps in the field, what were the areas where if you really wanted to do something about nuclear weapons policy, you could come in and do it. Which were, um, you know, advocacy and other work overseas and advocacy in the United States. Um, some areas that we did really struggle to get a good handle on was, um, you know, whether there was some area of policy research in particular that was like, not so well funded, um, and also how hard it would be to influence policy related to nuclear weapons. So for example, you know, some of the people we spoke with thought that um, you know, a lot of the issues for changing nuclear weapons policy were less issues for the United States, but more issues where it was hard to get other countries to change policy and where they might not be so responsive to advocacy. So someone said this in particular about Russia. Um, so having put all of that together, having all those conclusions, we put up our research on the website, and you can see our investigation of a large number of causes that we've looked into. Once we have those investigations completed, we try to look at each one and say which of these that we've looked at um, in a given area, such as global catastrophic risks, are, are the most important. It's like which of these risks are highest, um, you know, and sort things from high, the high end to the low end, and then 
work on the things that seem um, you know, outstanding in terms of one of these dimensions. And uh, you can see um, in our recent update on our work on global catastrophic risks, in particular, uh, the results of all this, where we've ranked um, a number of different areas we could work on in terms of the priority level that they have for us. Um, so anyway, this is, this is an overview of one approach to cause prioritization. I hope you've learned something about how we do our work, gotten some ideas maybe about what it would be like if you wanted to work in this kind of field, and maybe gotten some ideas about what you might do if you wanted to uh, evaluate one particular cause that you thought was interesting um, or maybe something that you wanted to work on yourself. Thanks.